It's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot whiz dollies and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the right room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. Matthew, Marco, Luca, John, no idea what's going on. I can't pay attention at any good rate. Looks from parishioners, old ladies and ushers. I guess I'll throw some extra bucks in the collection plate. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, cause I'm a supper. It's all right, cause I'm a supper. It's all right, cause I'm a supper Sunday. Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. My name is Scott Williams. My co host is Jeff Trailer. How's it going, Jeff? It's going great, Scott, because you know who we're joined by today? I am aware. I'm we're, looking at his face. We're joined by a officially a friend of the podcast. <laughs> friend of the podcast, the very reverend Father Patrick Hyde. Father I, Patrick. I am so happy to be here, guys, and even more happy to now be considered an official friend of the podcast. Thank well, you. Uh, we've, we've talked before about all of your titles. Very reverend. I think this is gonna go on my email signature. Yes. <laughs> It, <laughs> that's what I was asking is Friends where do we all set for Sunday podcast? Yes. Uh, don't abbreviate that using the letters because then it's you spelled. would be friend of ASS. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to see the uh, print before you do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks for being with us, father. Happy to be with you guys. Thanks for having me back. Happy Easter. Happy Easter indeed. He is risen. Alleluia. 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 Have you ever counted the number of Alleluia's you say in a Mass? Uh, I can't say that I have, although I did realize at the end of the Easter vigil that it's a lot. Um, There were a... That was... When you don't have a deacon who can sing, and you sing the exultet, and then you sing all of the prayers, that that's a lot of uh, singing. I kind of felt like it was the Father Patrick show, but uh, <laughs> I mean, that's well, what they sign up for. I guess um, God be praised that He is risen from the dead. So, can we clarify? Do you have a deacon? You just don't have a deacon who can sing. Correct. We have a deacon. <laughs> he, uh, he is. Uh, he can do monotone things, but the exultet is beyond his range and so you step in and you you know he makes up where i am lacking in some areas and in this case i did that for him can you can you give us a few bars show us what you're working with uh, you know if you you can uh you can go on our youtube and facebook page i think and uh and watch me sing the easter exultet maybe i'll maybe i'll get uh a burr in my saddle and i'll go on and uh repost the easter exalted on our on our social media and we'll just edit that in right here there you go i'll know how busy you are at work today jeff based on the uh the quality of the social media post that uh, goes <laughs> along with this you, yes you will <laughs> uh, you'll you'll know even more so if one even happens today. <laughs> <laughs> well uh jeff you want to take us to the two minute drill i know we're on a tight timeline today this is going to be a 
a zipper? Uh, I would love to. Two-minute drill, third Sunday of Easter. Uh, we start off with the first reading from Acts. Um, so the Old Testament God has glorified Jesus for us, but us being the people at the time, like they tried to, we tried to ruin it. He kept glorifying. He kept glorifying. We kept trying trying to ruin it, but God covered up for us. We're a bunch of dummies. God took care of us. He sent us Jesus. And now we just need to repent, convert, and our sins will be wiped away. Uh, The responsorial Psalm is Lord, let your face shine on us, which every time I say it and every time I went to write it down, I kept wanting to say upon us, but it's very clearly Lord, let your face shine on us. Not that that matters for anybody else, but that's how my brain works. Or good to know, Scott. Or Alleluia, Alleluia, very much. Um, it's and this response to a psalm is interesting to me because the psalm, the actual pieces of the psalm are very short. This might be the shortest response to a psalm that I've ever seen, um, where it's just one, like one sentence, just a couple lines in between each one. So I'm interested to see how that plays out at church this weekend if they actually even do that one. Second reading comes from the first letter of John. Um, He says, don't sin. But when you do, God has our backs um, as long as we seek that repentance. Uh, And with Jesus, we're taken care of. So God gave us Jesus to take care of those sins. But expiation of sins for all. I don't know what expiation means. That's a hard word. It is. It's a word I can say, but I don't really know what it means. So we'll go to our resident expert, friend of the program, the very Reverend Father Patrick Hyde here in a minute to explain that. But expiation of sins for all. But if we keep the commandments and the love of then the love of God is perfected. There's a great mantra to live by. Keep the commandments and we will help perfect the love of God. I'm all about that idea. All right. And our gospel this week comes from Luke chapter 24, 35 to 48. The two disciples recounted what had taken place on the way and how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of bread. While they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Then he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do questions arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see that I have. And as he said this, He showed them his hands and his feet. While they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, he asked them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a a piece of baked fish, and he took it and ate it in front of them. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name. To all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. Woo! Good job, Jeff. High five. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, So Merriam-Webster's dictionary (laughs) defines creation as... Are you starting a senior reflection here? (laughs) The act of expiating something, the act of extinguishing the guilt incurred by something. Uh, Also, like at Merriam-Webster's staff meetings, don't they think like it's a red flag moment when somebody says, well, let's put the word uh, that we're defining into the definition. I feel like that should be something. You would think so. All right. I got that out. Um, 
Father Patrick, anything this that you is want the content to... that people are here for. <laughs> anything you want to uh, correct Jeff on? Anything you got wrong? Um, I'm not going to correct him because uh, here it comes. Anything wrong in this regard? But I'll add a little further because I'm a nerd. Um, but that that we have for sure established. Like friend of the podcast, we had to get to today. Yeah, but resident nerd of the podcast, we could have put that label on. That was probably about five minutes into my first visit to the show. But um, the Greek word there is hilosmos, which is a, a sin offering. It's it's a means of appeasement. It's it's that which is given, sacrificed for something else. So when we say expiation, um, it's the Latinized version of that Greek word of the thing that is offered in atonement for, or uh, you know, it's kind of the scapegoat, if you will. The, the sacrificial lamb. So when it says Jesus is the expiation for our sins, he is that sacrificial at sin offering. All right. That was way better than your version, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that very much is so. Well, uh, I, mean, I always I, love a good language lesson. Last week, Father, we talked about Quasimodo Sunday. Mm. And, I, and I thought for half the conversation that Father Jerry was just messing with us, but it turned out he was being right. Yeah. Do you so, know that's a real thing? Uh, I've heard it before. I'm not exactly sure. Do uh, we know something you don't know? You do. Yeah. Mark it. All right. Thanks everybody for joining us this week. Uh, looks Check like you're the one time. asking dumb questions this week, Father. <laughs> All right. Sorry. All right, Father Patrick. Enlighten us on uh, something we don't know now. What do you What do you bring into the table this weekend? Well, there 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 are a couple things. Um, I, I'll start by going into First John here. Um, we were talking about this as priests the other day in preparation for our homilies this weekend, but as campus ministers, we all uh, here at St. Paul Catholic Center in Bloomington, Indiana, we run the campus ministry at Indiana University. So much of our ministry is, and I'm sure Scott and Jeff and your work in youth ministry as well, is don't sin, but when you sin, here is how you, you know, fix that, right? Um, and so, but it, what a what a wonderful gift the Lord is to us, right? And that, I think that's so important for us is oftentimes, you know, obviously last weekend is Divine Mercy uh, Sunday and we celebrate God's mercy in a particular way. But that God's love for us is so great that he not only shows us the way in in Revelation, he becomes the way, the truth and the life for us. And he gratuitously makes that possible for us no matter what we've done, right, that the Lord desires for all of us to be made whole, to be made pure. Um, but he recognizes that because he's given us the gift of free will, that that's, that's not always going to be uh, easy or uh, convenient for us. And so he offers us through Jesus, that advocate, uh, that expiation for our sins, um, so that we can be made pure and whole, not through our own merits, but through the, the love that God has for us. And it's a good reminder to us. As we move into the Easter season, perhaps you had a good Lent, perhaps you had a terrible Lent. doesn't matter, really, um, if it hasn't led you to anything other than deeper reliance on God's mercy and grace, then it's irrelevant. But if even if you struggled through Lent or had a great Lent, if it's led you to a deeper appreciation for God's path in your life and or God's path for you in your life and God's love for you and his guidance, that's what it's really all about. And so as we move more and more into the joy of the Easter season. Remember, the Easter season is longer than the Lenten season. We are reminded again and again and again that the joy of Easter is not because you and I are good or do good things, but it's because God loves us. He who is love, John, uh, 1 John uh, 4, 8, you know, God is love. 
uh, he tells us that that's who he is and he shares that with us. And so the good things that we have uh, come from God um, and they, they require something of us. Just as the love, you know, St. John tells us, those who say, I know him, but do not keep his commandments are liars and the truth is not in them. If I say to someone, I love you, but then go around and stab them in the back through my words or through my actions you know, to tear them down, I don't love them. I'm a liar. In the same way, if we say we love God, but aren't striving to have our actions accord with his will for us, then we're liars. And, and then ultimately, the goal then of the Christian life is integrity for you and me to be the same people we are in the most intimate moments with the Lord as we are in the most difficult moments with other people. That's hard to do, but that's the goal of the Christian life. Jesus says, be perfect as your father is perfect. That, that word there is, is integrity, have integrity so that you're the same inside as you are outside. Um, and that's hard to do. But if we come again and again and again to the mercy and love of God, we are able to grow, draw closer to uh, the perfection, the integrity that the Lord is calling us to. I love that you how you tied that to this Easter season. Cause I did find myself while I know that there are like simple answers to this question. I found myself the other day, like looking at the liturgical calendar and seeing it was like, we're, we're in the Easter season and thinking like, well, what do I do now? Like I just came off this like Lent of, and, and it's a very, you know, like Lent causes us to focus very much on, on the, on these things and that preparation. Then you get there and you celebrate, but like three weeks into the celebration, it's like, so what should I be doing now? Like, what do I need to be doing? So I appreciate that you told me. Yeah. Also, it's like, you can't be, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, you can't be a halfway disciple. Like, if you believe that Jesus is real, that has serious consequences to it. Like, you you have to be all in. And And the thing that I was reflecting about this is that, that's not boring either. Like I think a lot of times people see like this devout life or, you know, striving for devout life or striving for holiness as, you know, just all church, boring, no fun stuff. But like being a follower of Jesus and being radical in that way is exhilarating. <laughs> I would... I just used the phrase earlier that like of righteousness, like the feeling of righteousness of like having that true belief and that understanding of the faith and like being able to like speak about it in a righteous way. It is, it is an absolutely exciting thing to know that you're just sharing the truth of Jesus Christ with other people and, and drawing them to it and doing it in a loving way and in a caring way, but just doing it with so much confidence and like, I know this is true. And if I yeah. can just help you understand it, man, it, you can also feel this way. Yeah. I'll, I'll push back a little bit, Scott. Like we can be half-hearted disciples or half in, but we can't stay there. Right. The Lord is going to meet us exactly where we are. Right. The Lord is going to stir the hearts of those who are starting to look at the gospel with open eyes and hearts for the first time. But we, the Lord is always going to draw us closer and if we're honest with ourselves, we have to see how in some way, shape, or form, we are half-hearted in our discipleship. We're not, we're not fully there yet. Short of uh, laying down our lives for the gospel, we're never mm -hmm. all the way there. And so um, that, that it's a beautiful thing, right, that we, we are called to give all, 
But then in that reality of examining our conscience and coming to the Lord, we recognize that there's still always more to give. But that's beautiful because it always it, it helps to show us how much more the Lord loves us. That yeah, even I, in our struggle, even in our difficulty, even in our repeated sinfulness, he still loves us and is still calling us to more and offering us more. Yeah, I think I said that poorly. I think what I think you articulated better what was in my brain, but the call the call is full. Like it's he's mm-hmm. wholly calling us to him. The way we respond uh, can be half-hearted. It can be halfway. Uh, we can really suck at discipleship sometimes. But uh, that call to repentance and that call to come back to and come back and come back and come back and come back is always there. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah, it's I, I'll do a little transition here to the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles, because this really struck me because like so many other people, just, you know, I don't really, I, I try to stay a little bit distant from the news and social media because it can get so uh, contemptuous mm-hmm. and contentious so quickly and so divisive and ideological. Um, yeah. But we, we, we live in difficult times and um, it just seems like every time, you know, or at least the last years, things start to, move back to, you know, quasi normal. And then all of a sudden there's, you know, uh, another, you know, outbreak of COVID or, uh, you know, unfortunately the the death of, of Dante Wright um, up near Minneapolis and people are hurting um, mm-hmm. and we're divided. You know, last week we heard in the Acts of the Apostles that the church was of one mind and heart. And that's what the Lord desires for us. Um, but how do we get there? How do we get there? And uh, when we look at the first reading, I think it's really important for us, especially uh, in our discipleship of Jesus, to see how St. Peter does this for us, right? Um, he's talking to the Jews in Jerusalem, who not but a few weeks earlier, or I can't remember exactly the timeline here, uh, maybe 40 days earlier, 50 days earlier, had cried out from the top of their lungs, crucify him, crucify him, had demanded that Jesus, who as St. Peter calls him here, the author of life, you put to death, Right. Um, there is no worse thing that you can do than to put the author of life to death, to, to kill God. Um, and that's what's been done. And it's easy in that moment for us to be righteously indignant. And perhaps Peter was. But what does Peter do? He says, you acted out of ignorance just as your leaders did. Right? You've done this thing, or we're in some way, shape, or form connected to it. Maybe you weren't. Well, this has happened, and we're all in some way responsible for it. But instead of casting all of the blame on them and saying, look at how wicked and terrible you are, he says, hey, well, you know, I'm going to read your intentions in the best possible light for you. Right? The truth is this happened, but the truth is also that you weren't fully aware of that when you consented to it. But I'm still going to love you, and I'm still going to call you to it. And then he says at the very end, repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be wiped away. And so it's, I think there's two things here that can be very helpful for us. First, like St. Peter, when we are trying to address the difficult issues in our culture, the things that divide us or that create division or that are, frankly, evil in our world, that we have, we have to confront that. We can't, you know, he, he, Peter, St. Peter's very clear. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the author of life. This was who this Jesus was, and you put him to death. We have to name evil. You know, to, to skirt around it is to avoid addressing it. But at the same time, in naming that, we want to invite everyone and pray for those people who in some way, shape, or form are involved to repentance and conversion. 
So we, we want to do it in such a way we want to address our neighbors, especially our neighbors who may have different uh, political, religious beliefs than we do. We want to invite them. Right? Yeah. That's, the that's a fine line to walk there. Yeah, there, there's a beauty of our faith, right? Um, you know, and just being a priest in a college town during an election year is never fun. Um, and you know, the same weekend, hearing from you know someone on one side of the issue saying everyone is evil on the other, and someone on the other side saying everyone on the other, you know, it's just you you get hit from both directions. And and our response is, as disciples of Jesus has to be yes, I want that person who you think is the worst to be loved by God or to know God's love. He he or she already is right to know God's love and to be converted of mind and heart. So if there's a person who you think is voting for someone who is evil, shouldn't we want that person to be in our community? And shouldn't we preach the good news of Jesus Christ, that person, and invite him or her to repentance and conversion? And shouldn't we model what repentance and conversion looks like for that person? You know, yes. the Greek words there are... Yes, the answer are, is yes. Yeah, the Greek words there, metanoiete, uh, is the, the first one. You know, have your mind converted, you know, literally to go from one way of thinking to another. And the conversion word here, uh, I can't really pronounce it, so I'm not going to. It, it, it's a turning around. And, you know, the Greek word, or excuse me, the Latin word, conversion. We, we, we. It's so spiritualized for us. We, we, we think of it as an intellectual act, but conversion, convertio, in Latin, that's an easier word to pronounce than the Greek word. Um, it has a, it has a physical turning to it, right? To turn with, to physically turn with, and so we are not only just called to have that interior conversion of mind, but we need to turn our life. And to what are we turning our heart and our life and our mind, but to Jesus himself. And when we are witnessing to that and inviting other people into it and building relationship, that's how we rebuild the world and society. By going on social media and calling everyone who disagrees with you names, that's not going to help. By cutting off the people in your life who disagree with you or say things that you don't like, that's not going to help. But by repenting and converting in our own heart and mind and life and recognizing how even if I was just you know, doing my duty to my wife and family in ancient Jerusalem, and yet because of my faith in the Jewish people and being a part of that community, I was a part of, in one way, shape, or form, the murder of God, the murder of Jesus, then I too need to look at my life, even if I wasn't directly involved. And I need to ask, how can I change? What must I do? to invite God more into my life and to invite the love of God more into my relationships. Practically speaking, how do you walk the line between like being in the weeds of sin and completely like avoiding everything of the world? Does that make sense? Like you were talking about like being able to invite and to bring people into and to be immersed in, in those types of things. But like, how do we do that? To whom do you turn first is, the, I think, the most important question, right? Because it's easy to go on social media and find any political party or movement to which I can ascribe myself, right? So, you know, you, you name the issue, you know, political party, uh, social movement or campaign or whatever. You can find that and you can join that. Mm -hmm. um, but what ends up happening, um, and I would encourage everyone who is listening to this podcast to read the Good Friday homily of uh, Cardinal Reniero Cantalamesa from this year. Uh, he speaks into this. He speaks that what ends up happening. Everyone, everyone just Google uh, that name. Good Friday you'll homily. All, you'll all be able to spell it. So it'll be, that'll be super easy for everybody. To find. I wrote down Cardinal. And... <laughs> if 
Father, can I email you and get the and get that name and then I'll post it on social? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, let me I will pull up a quote. I'm I'm sitting here. Let me pull up a Along quote. Along with the uh, Easter Exalted. Yeah, please do. <laughs> but um, you know, he in his homily he said this the fraternity among Catholics is wounded, divisions between churches have torn, Christ's tunic to shreds, and worse still. Each shredded strip has been cut up into smaller snippets. I speak, of course, of the human element of it because no one will ever be able to tear the true tunic of Christ, his mystical body animated by the Holy Spirit. In God's eyes, the church is one holy Catholic and apostolic and will remain so until the end of the world. This, however, does not excuse our divisions, but makes them more guilty and must push us more forcefully to heal them. What is the most common cause of the bitter divisions among Catholics? He continues, it is not dogma, nor is it the sacraments and ministries. None of the, these things that by God's singular grace, we fully and universally preserve. The divisions that polarize Catholics stem from political op 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 opinions that grow into ideologies, taking priority over ecclesial and religious considerations and leading to complete abandonment of the value and the duty of obedience in the church. So what does he call us to? Shortly thereafter, he continues, I believe that we all need to make a serious examination of conscience in this regard and be converted. Fomenting division is the work par excellence of the one whose name is Diabolos. In Greek, that is the divider, the enemy who sows weeds, as Jesus referred to him in the parable. We need to learn from Jesus' example in the gospel. He lived at a time of strong political polarization Four parties existed, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, and the Zealots. Jesus did not side with any of them and energetically resisted attempts to be pulled towards one or the other. Dang. Yeah. That's what, that's what he we said. Should, good we should have that guy on the podcast. Yeah. He's like 90 years old, and he, I don't know if he speaks English, but he's he's a brilliant, he's been the papal preacher of the papal household for 40 years. But Wait, was he the one who led the the... Was he the pre preacher of the papal household that led the uh, retreat for the bishops in yeah, Minnesota? He, yeah. Wait, so Archbishop Thompson, we had him on a couple weeks ago, and he quoted him as yeah. well. Yeah, he's a, he's a Capuchin friar, was recently named a cardinal about uh, about a year ago. Um, brilliant, brilliant scholar in addition to all that. But to, back to your point, Scott, like if our life doesn't start and stop with our interaction with the person of Jesus— and using his life as the example par excellence for our life, then that's where we have to start. That's just that's the nature of our discipleship in Jesus is to say, before I go to the political solution, because the reality is this, is that in the, in the world outside of the church and even within the church in some areas, people of goodwill can start from the same premises and come to very different prudential decisions as to how to act. Right. And what ends up happening is we see that if we've come to a different conclusion, we see it as an evil that somehow or another what we're supposed to do or how we're supposed to, you know, economics, you name it, that, you know, there's there's a Catholic response in that way. Well, in, in one way, shape or form, the premises are formed by our faith, but then the realities of the world and our situation may require different responses. But if we're not rooted in the premise that Jesus is God and that he loves me and that he has a plan for me and that he desires to change my heart, mind, and soul every day through his grace and mercy, if I start with that, then we can work together. But if I'm not starting with that, especially in the church, if we're not starting with that. If we're just starting with you disagree with me or you don't do enough of this, then it's going to create greater division 
and we're not going to be better off. So we have to start with that internal repentance and conversion of recognizing my own brokenness, recognizing how I am leading this, right? The scary part of our free will is that all of us are a few bad decisions from being the next Adolf Hitler. Hmm. But the beauty of oh. God, okay, that's go. the reality of it. We can convince ourselves that evil and pure evil is a good thing because we're sinners. We're broken. We, we allow ourselves to follow our feelings and, their, and the, the regard of other people. And we put those ahead of our discipleship in Jesus. But even though we're close to that, we're even closer to God because on the cross, he died for us so that no matter where we are in life, our God is intimately united with us. And not only did he do that for us, but he poured forth from the cross his sacraments. We are baptized and confirmed in the Holy Spirit so that we are his temple. So that even if we make those bad decisions, and even if we fall in love with the luster and the glamour of evil, because of God's great love for us, all we need but do is turn our heart and mind to him and ask his forgiveness in the sacrament of confession and we receive it. Father Patrick, I love when you get going. Like, I feel like, it's probably our listeners' favorite episodes because Scott and I talk a lot less. Um, but <laughs> there's a few of you that when we have you on, we're just sitting back and like if we have if you guys could all see video, or it's just like jaws agape. Like I love it. Thank you so much for that. Like that was awesome. Yeah. All right, well, Jeff, are you ready to open your mouth some and ask some dumb questions? Uh, yeah, very much. It's time for Jeff's dumb questions. The part in the show where the glow of the flame of knowledge grows a little dimmer and our collective IQ goes down a few points, all thanks to Jeff. We're sorry. All right, Jeff. Take us through some dumb questions. Okay, some dumb questions. First off, all right, this is a continuation, but Father Patrick, I have a theory that that, uh, that I'm growing in my brain that has been played out by some other, some other people have been supporting this. And I want to hear your thoughts on my theory. I, I have not always been a person who is drawn to John's gospel, but recently I very much am because I think there's a chance that John was kind of like the earliest, like the, the, one of the first trolls ever. Like, and I have started to spot some things in his gospel where I think he's trolling people. We talked a couple weeks ago about, and on our first episode of the podcast ever about, uh, when he makes it very clear that he beats Peter in the race to the tomb. And I was talking about this and then somebody sent me, uh, one of our listeners sent me a text recently and pointed out that in last Friday's gospel, uh, John talks about how Peter jumped into the water, but he makes a point to tell everybody that Peter was on the boat naked and then jumped into the water, which he didn't have to do. Um, and then last week, he starts calling uh, Thomas Didymus. And so Father Ryan Hildebrand, who I follow on Twitter and I find to be very entertaining and would love to have on the show. I'm sure he's a listener. So if you're listening, Father, feel free to email us. But Father Ryan pointed out to me that there's an argument out there that Thomas called Didymus, the, called Didymus, which Didymus means the twin, didn't mean that he had a twin brother, but that he got that nickname as a joke because he only had one testicle. And this this argument about John being a troll is starting to play out even more. And I just wanted to know your thoughts on it. Well, we we certainly. I mean, this is as dumb as it gets, folks. But. I don't know if if the right way of putting it is the troll because troll has negative connotations. Um, but I would say that the it's the most personal of, of the 
gospel. Oh, it's personal. Because oh, I mean, John, John, is, John is the beloved disciple, right? And so there's there's an intimacy with the Lord Jesus that we get in the Gospel of John and with the other disciples, uh, the other apostles, um, that we don't necessarily get more flushed out in the other ones, right? You know, in the in the in the narrative of the call of the disciples in John's Gospel, it's it's much more person to person and intimate. Um, you know, that Andrew goes to find Peter, Philip goes to find um, Bartholomew. Um, those types of things are the kinds of things that, uh, you know, that's why the Gospel of John is, is you know, it, it has a communal aspect to it. And so I, it's a good reminder to us, too, also just of how um, there's, a re- there's a relational aspect in the church. It's not just about me and Jesus. It's about me and Jesus and all of us, because it's one holy Catholic and apostolic. So it's a, a church that is an, it's a, an incarnational church, right? That I love, as Dorothy Day always said, that I love God as much as I love the person I love the least. And so being in relationships, we're going to have people teasing us and we're going to be teasing others. We're going to have good friends. We're going to have people we don't quite like all that much, but we're all called to be of one heart and mind in striving after and loving the Lord. And that for me, that's kind of the the beauty of religious life is that sometimes you live in community where it's just like, wow, this is great. And sometimes you live in community and you're like, wow, this is really hard because I don't get along with these guys or we have very different visions of what we should be doing or what we shouldn't be doing. And or your deacon uh, can't sing. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, These things happen, but that's the beauty of it is that, we're, we're always called to, to have fun with each other, but also to have, uh, you know, a, a good time with each other, right? That, um, you know, I think Scott was saying earlier, right? It, sh- it shouldn't, church shouldn't be boring. It shouldn't, you know, like there's a, there's a beauty to our ritual and our liturgy, but it should be so, we should be so close to the Lord that it should just animate us. And we shouldn't have to rely on others to say, hey, greet your neighbor. We should be willing to say, after mass to that person who's sitting next to me, come on over. Let's have a cup of coffee and talk about life. Let's invest in each other. Well, I, I find that throughout my life, as I read the scripture, I have different lenses. And right now I am locked in on reading the gospel of John with the lens of, I like a gospel, a gospel where they bust balls a little bit. So I'm very excited about it. Um, Next dumb question, father Patrick, as I follow you on social media, I know the, that uh, this is the case, but you like to smoke meat, correct? I am a, that is one of my few passions and hobbies in life is, uh, is uh, smoking meat. Yes, that is correct. So what are you, what are you smoking this weekend? Actually, after our interview here today, I will be going over to the freezer and I will be taking out a pork shoulder uh, for Monday because that is my day to cook for the community. And since it's frozen, it's probably going to take four or five days. I thought a little pulled pork this weekend. Well, uh, full disclosure, a few weeks ago, I, uh, for the annunciation went to Sam's club to buy meat. And I thought by using the app that I was purchasing one pork shoulder and one thing of ribs, which has three racks of ribs in it. Um, I got one of the three racks of ribs and one case of pork shoulders. So case, I have uh, case of pork. <laughs> so I uh, I have eight pork shoulders in the, uh, the garage freezer right now. So each uh, of which are probably twenty pounds or so. Uh, they're each probably about yeah eight six yeah probably eight pounds sixty eight pounds. <laughs> so uh, 
I did, I did not realize this and you can pull up and they just put everything in your trunk until I got back to the house. And I was like, what is this enormous heavy box? And I realized it was, it was a summer's worth of pork shoulder, but you know, that's God's way of providing. <laughs> All right. Um, this is not so much dumb question as a dumb invitation, but also, um, rooted in our past episodes. The last time we talked to you, you were getting ready to go on vacation. You were going golfing with your dad mm-hmm. and we were talking about golfing. So uh, we have some listeners, Julia and Matt Kircher, some friends. Uh, Julia was a friend of my sister's growing up, and they're great listeners and uh, loyal listeners to the podcast. Julia texted me after that episode and said she would love to sponsor 18 Holes at uh, Woodland this summer for the podcast and her and her husband. So it's an official invite uh, that we got to find some time to go golfing with Julia and Matt and you and Scott and I, and I think we just record the whole thing and, and post it. And I think it would be an absolute blast. <laughs> I, I I'm in, I love to, I love to play golf. I just, I was back in St. Louis last week to, to baptize uh, a new niece and a new nephew and uh, sneak in 18 holes of golf with my dad, my brother and his buddy. So, uh, no, I'm not very good at golf, and uh, oh, neither I am I. One of the things I love about it is that it's an opportunity to totally stop thinking about everything else in the world because I cannot get beyond the fact of how bad I am at golf. <laughs> how much I love playing a sport that I never practice. Um, so yeah, I mean, well, good news, Julie and Matt are very good right? golfers, and so we'll, we can all feel uh, less than as we do it. But Julie and Matt, you're on the clock now. We got to get this book, so. That's all I got, though, Scott. All right. Father Patrick, thanks for joining us this week. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. God bless you all. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday.